thank you, Tim, and thank you, Brenda. Um, you know, there's a couple of places where Jesus says some things that are pretty revolutionary uh, in um, the book of John. One place he says, Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask that you may receive, that your joy may be full. Another place he talks about um, that my joy in you may be complete. So what is this joy stuff? A lot of times in church we look like somebody just ran over our dog or our cat. But Jesus talks about a joy that we can't fully grasp or tend to get a hold of, but he wants us to have it. So what is the source of that joy? Where does that joy come from? I'm convinced it is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm convinced that we need to spend our lives just trying to get it and grasp it. We talk a lot about giving it away, but the question is, do you have it yourself? And do I? And guys, when we meet, it should always, in a sense, be a celebration because at some point the gospel ought to come out because that's why we're here. And, and so I thought of that as, you know, Tim sang that song too. You know. Man, he's the God who stays. And you know what? Sometimes I feel like I don't give him a lot of reason to stay. I've been reading this book by Steve Brown, and uh, I always think of Mark, because I think that's Mark's favorite guy to listen to. But uh, anyway, in this book by Steve Brown, he talked about a good friend of his. He said, I'm as old as dirt, but this friend of mine's older. And, and he said, uh, he said, man, I get so disgusted with myself. I'm so sick of myself that death will be a welcome friend and a blessing. Just to get me out of here, I'm so messed up. <laughs> there are days we feel like that. Think of the joy. All right. You didn't ask for two sermons. I better get into this one. We're in Genesis. I just want to read a couple of verses. Genesis chapter 1, starting at verse 1. I want to read down through verse 5 and then 26, 27. So when you find Genesis 1, the book of beginnings, first book of the Bible, guys, uh, stand up and I will, I will read aloud in honor of our great God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw the light was good. He separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And let's drop down to verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Let's pray. God, here we are again. Um, I think our call is always surrender. Um, it, it worship comes when we see you and see ourselves, Lord. The need for you. 
Just speak to us as this morning we talk about the purpose. Why are we here? What are you doing, Lord? Who are we? Um, I pray you speak. I thank you, Father, for your people. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Little boy found an eagle egg. He took it. He put it under the nest of a prairie chicken. The egg hatched. The eagle imprinted with the prairie chickens. And, well, he started doing what prairie chickens do. He started pecking along the ground, digging in the dirt, trying to find seeds and insects to eat. Oh, he would uh, kind of jump up and like the other prairie chickens and not really fly, but, you know, do his wings and that kind of stuff. And he began to follow the life of a prairie chicken. One day, years later, as an older eagle, he looked up in the sky and he saw this magnificent bird flying. And he said, what is that? And the prairie chicken said, oh, that's the eagle, the most majestic of birds. But man, don't think about him. You could never be an eagle. And he never gave it another thought and died thinking he was a prairie chicken. Guys, we live in a world that wants to say, Just dig in the dirt. Just stay on the ground. Be grounded. Don't fly above. Don't be who God really created you to be. Man, you are unique. You are special. You were made in His image. You are far more than a prairie chicken. (laughs) I love how Isaiah 40 closes. Uh, we, we quote a lot those last two verses, 30 and 31. I actually like verse 29, too. It says, He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Man, that's all of us. Sometimes we're all just bone tired pretending to be something that we're not. And I love that idea of He's the God who stays. Man, just weak and weary and, man, I'm just tired, right? But he increases the power of the weak. He gives us that shot of courage that we need to go forward. And then, you know, the verses that we all know, even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength, right? I love the King James. It says they will mount up on wings as eagles. In the NIV, it says they will soar on wings. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk. And not be faint. And God has not called us guys to be prairie chickens. He's called us to soar above as eagles. To see from the viewpoint above, which is the viewpoint of God. David uh, in Psalm 8 wrote this song. and He said in the song, What is man that we are mindful of him? Mere mortals that you care about. What's the deal about us? Why why do we make a difference when we think about all of creation, all of the universe, and yet mankind, you and me, were created in His image? It's pretty heavy stuff. What have some other people said about mankind, who we are? Uh, Here's just a few. Mark Twain said, man the machine. 
Aristotle called us a political animal. Well, there's certainly plenty of politics out there, and sometimes you can't escape it. If you look at a screen, it's everywhere. Ben Franklin said a tool-making animal. Bly Pascal, the French philosopher, man is a reed, the most feeble thing in nature. And this is a guy, Buckminster Fuller. You say, well, who is this guy? He's the guy who invented the geodesic dome. These are the domes, the little domes that can actually sit on the ground. And uh, I think they used to have one at Highlands in Abington. I don't know if they still do. But I've seen a few of those around. But here's what this uh, engineer said about us. He said, um, the human is a self-balancing, 28-jointed adapter biped, an electrochemical reduction plant. Man, that's just a prairie chicken. We're so much more than that. I remember uh, when, um, oh man, I hate it when I go brain dead. Richard Coffey was here years ago, and he used to have this saying, I've quoted it many times, he said, from goo to the zoo to you. And, and that's the, the picture that we often see today. Where did man come from? How, how did we get here from goo to the zoo to you? And, and yet the scripture says so much more powerfully, man, you're more than just a cosmic coincidence. God created you in his image. And, and you know, as we look at that in the scripture, verses 26 and 27, where he said, let us make man in our image according to his likeness. He created us. He handcrafted us. Uh, you had five days of creation that, that happened, and, and then on the sixth day, he had said up to that point, this was good. But then he created mankind, and he said, this is very good. He wanted someone that he could connect with and relate to in a special relationship, and thus mankind was formed, male and female. We live in, in a society that wants to make man the center of everything. And guys, that is just so empty. It, it tells us in Ephesians 2.8 that, that we have to be careful that we're not led astray by deceptive and hollow philosophies. And, and that hollow philosophy is putting us the center of everything instead of God. Uh, Chuck Colson tells a story in one of his books. He, he talks about um, the United Nations. And at the United Nations, it's, it's 15 acres of prime real estate in New York City. And it's impressive uh, real estate. And, you know, a guy went there, he looked around, and he saw these limousines. He saw all these ambassadors, dignitaries. And, and obviously, they were talking about important things like world peace and... and uh, he, he went up and he said, man, in such a fantastic place, where is your chapel where you worship the true one who brings peace? The guy said, a chapel, a chapel. I don't know a chapel. I, I think there's one across the street. Go to security and talk to them and, and see. So he goes to security and he said, do you have a chapel? And he said, well, look through the computer well, yeah, there's a place, it's called the meditation room. He said, so go there. So he, he goes across the street, he, he goes through a, a, a series of uh, 
offices and important looking people and uh, great things looked like they were happening. And finally, they came to the meditation room. And I'm going to read to you what uh, Chuck wrote. He said, the guide pauses at an unmarked door. He unlocks it and gingerly pushes it open. The small room is devoid of people or decoration. The walls are stark white. There are no windows. A few wicker stools surround a large square rock at the center of the room. It's very quiet. No altar, rug, vase, candle, or symbol of any religious worship. Ceiling lights create bright spots of illumination on the front wall. One focuses on a piece of modern art, steel squares and ovals. Beyond the abstract shapes, there is nothing in those bright circles of light. They are focused on a void, and it is that void that the visitor suddenly sees the soul of the brave new world. Emptiness. Denying God created man in his image. Secondly, not only the creation, let's talk about God's reflection in man. I just read from verse 26, he said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. May he have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle over the earth, over um, everything that moves along the ground, every animal. So God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Six times it says that in the scriptures. To be in the image of God is to bear the reflection of God. Like when we look in a mirror, we see an image uh, and we see a reflection. We may not like that. You've heard me complain how I've complained about that. I don't like necessarily what I see when I see my image in the mirror because my mind goes back to a different image years ago, I suppose. It's hard for me to come to grips with this one. Uh, but anyway, it says that when we look at one another, there is the image, the reflection of God there. Guys, that is so crucial in the church. We get mad at each other. We disagree with each other. But we need to remember that we are looking at the image of God in one another as we talk to one another and even as we disagree. And that image is in the mirror. That reflection is shown that of God in us. I love the story of the guy. He went to the zoo. Uh, he was looking at several of the exhibits. He came to the orangutan exhibit. And this orangutan, he was holding two books. He was holding the Bible. And he was holding Darwin's Origin of the Species. The guy's like, wow, can you read? He goes, of course I can read. He said, well, do you understand what you're reading? And he looked puzzled. <laughs> and he said, first he points to the Bible and he says, this book says that I'm my brother's keeper. And then he holds up the Origin of Species. And he says, but this book says, I'm my keeper's brother. <laughs> he says, so there's a conflict going on. Which is it? And that is a conflict today. Which is it? Who are you? Are you just from goo to the zoo to you? Or did God significantly, specially create you in his image, in his likeness? Turn me to Genesis chapter 2. Verse 7, it says, And the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Man, in some ways, that's not too flattering. You and I came from a dust bunny, you know? And uh, 
dust is impossible seemingly to get rid of you know it, everybody has a house or wherever you live man you're trying to get rid of the dust it just keeps showing up and you're like man how where'd the, how'd that get here so quickly and you're thinking man is that people in our area yeah hey potential people <laughs> that could be made but the thing was it is not just dust god took the most humble thing we can think of this dust and he breathed upon the dust and man was formed man god doesn't need anything special or significant he just works he created us in his image in his reflection and so this glorified dust <laughs> that came from god's powerful creation that's how he moved that's how he worked to place us within his image um you know, when I was a kid, I remember uh, we talked about the chemicals that made up the human body in the class. I think it was like worth two bucks in my day. But to show how inflation is gone, I read uh, on the Internet, now it's close to a thousand bucks you know, for all of the chemicals <laughs> that are in the human body. Uh, if you were just able to dissect and pull apart all of the different chemicals that form the human body. But we're much more than just those chemicals that form our body we are in his image now a couple of things here uh what does it mean to be in his image one uh to be rational beings man we can think we don't just act on impulse and instinct which makes us different uh, from uh other creatures in creation god has placed us with the ability to think uh, you know the old saying i think therefore i am <laughs> you know there, there's this ability to have consciousness and to be cognizant of what is going on around us. Uh, you know, I joked about the orangutan that talked, and, you know, a couple of other, you know, you got these animals on Disney that all talk, these cartoon characters. And of course, I remember, remember Mr. Ed, the talking horse that's going back. Uh, you remember that one? He says, A horse is a horse, of course, of course, unless he's Mr. Ed, you know, and uh, that, that kind of thing. But the truth of the matter is, um, guys, we're set apart from the rest of the animal kingdom in order to be able to communicate. We're rational. Not only that, moral beings. There's morality. As you look across the world, guys, cultures know it's wrong to kill. There are truths that we are written on the human heart that we know, moral truths. Um, you know, and, and you, you, we know moral truths. It, it, you know, we say, well, Mother Teresa was more moral than Hitler we don't mean uh, she had better, fresher breath than Hitler or she had better posture. We know what it means. That he, there was a level of darkness in Adolf Hitler. Uh, morality. And in Romans chapter 119, it tells us the truth of God has been, been made plain to us uh, through creation. It speaks to us and we can see the truth and know it third aspect of being in the image of god is eternity we're immortal we live forever it says in ecclesiastes 3:11 that god has set eternity in the human heart we were made to live forever think about this life someone has said even this life uh, approximately spend 20 years sleeping uh, 20 years working seven years playing five years getting dressed one year on the phone, for some it might be a little more. Uh, eight months opening junk mail, 
and the routines take time. But we're made not just for this life. We're made for eternity. And then fourth, we are responsible beings. You go on through verse 28. He says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. And there is a picture that we are being responsible with this earth. That God has placed us here to be responsible, to take care of it. Um, He tells us, you have put all things under his feet. God has given us responsibility. And part of reflecting God is that we are to take that seriously. And yet, in all of this stuff and being a reflection of God, we sin. We are sinners. You know what sinners do? They sin. I have been list, uh, listening some to Steve Brown. I mentioned, I think I mentioned him earlier. But uh, Mark Powers really enjoys him, got me to listen to him again. I've been reading a book by Steve. And Steve talks about, uh, he talks about how hard it is to be a teacher. And then he said, it's also hard to be a preacher. He said, you know what I'm supposed to do as a preacher is I'm supposed to stop people from doing what they naturally do. He said, it's like my job is to stand by a cliff and talk to people and say, you know, there's a cliff here. If you jump off this cliff, you're going to go splat, and it's going to be ugly. And, and, you know, sometimes people say, thank you, Steve. That was very uplifting. Those words are good words. Shakes my hand and jumps off anyway. Other times they just walk to the edge of the cliff and say, well, thank you for the good word today. Splat! And Steve said, what's really troubling is sometimes I jump. Man, it's just the truth of who we are. We are sinners who need a Savior. Man, the mirror is scratched. The image of God is marred within us. And that brings the need for interaction with the living God. Man, we need Him. Uh, Turn me over to chapter 3, verse 6. Well, I was there. I don't know why I turned the page. There I go again, doing things I don't want to do. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom... She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. (laughs) Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking. As he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I command you not to eat from? They were in the garden. And it looked like the daily ritual was to walk and talk with God. The word gives an idea of just a casual conversation between God and Adam and Eve. This was what happened every day. But sin got in the way. Sin disrupted that conversation. God made us for that conversation. This is why the cross was necessary. It was the only way to restart the conversation between us and the living God was the cross. Was the death of God himself. The ultimate sacrifice. Man, that that was the only way to change the silence. 
And God was lonely. And so Jesus came. Man. What, what about you? What about me? Are we in that conversation? Do we take the cross for granted? Do we say, I'm going to heaven and, you know, don't disturb me till I get there? Or are we in conversation with God? It, 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 man, it's not about being so holy that when you talk, you sound King Jamesy. It's not about any of that. It's about just a casual conversation. It's about being real. It's about just being open and, 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 and just letting God love on you. It should be a celebration for all of us. You are loved with an unconditional love. He has drawn you with unfailing kindness. Catch just a, just a glimpse of that and hang out there a while. And maybe you won't look like you've been sucking on pickle juice, you know? Man, we, we just need the gospel. And that moves us to the conversation with the one who loves us. And when people see that, you know what that's called? It's called evangelism. We don't think of evangelism that way, do we? But when they see somebody who talks with God, you know, sometimes we think, well, what am I going to say about God? Well, why don't you just talk like you talk with God? God and I talked about this today. God, this is what God did, is doing in my life today. This is what's happening. Am I perfect? Are you kidding? Is this a joke? Man, I'm broken. We all are. But that's the power of the gospel. That's why we're called to have a party. He came. Let me close with this. Um, Albert Einstein once said, scientists make poor philosophers. But every now and then, you, you do get a scientist who can philosophize. Sir Isaac Newton was one of those guys. He is probably best known uh, for the theory of gravi gravity and gravitational pull. And, uh, you know, the apple hitting him in the head and all that stuff. <laughs> Story goes that he was looking through a telescope one day and, I mean, he was able to see deep out into the universe and, you know, you, oh man, to behold the glory of God in creation. But he went home. And here's, here's uh, I'm going to write to you what he, what he said when he got home. He said, when I lay it aside, when I lay my telescope aside after looking into the heavens, when I lay it aside, go into my room, shut the door, get down on my knees in earnest prayer, I see more of heaven and feel closer to the Lord than if I were assisted by all the telescopes of the earth. Why? Because the conversation is going on between Isaac and God. What about you? Is the conversation active? If not, why? God waits. Let's pray. God, I, I thank you for an opportunity to talk about purpose. And the purpose is you made us for conversation with you. You made us for relationship with you. You made us to bring glory to you. And Father, um, forgive us when that breaks down. And it's not your fault, it's mine. It's ours. God, help us catch a glimpse of you and the gospel. And 
man, it make us celebratory uh, partiers. <laughs> we don't like to talk that way in the church, maybe, but what, what's better to have that kind of party than any other party? I mean, wow. So, Lord, I pray this morning we would come to you, the great God, who we should celebrate, who we should converse with. Lord, if anything stands in the way, let's clear it up now. <laughs> you tell us to come to you that he who confesses his sins and renounces them finds mercy. Mercy is available. Mercy waits. And, and so, Father, I just pray that we would just come and talk to you and, and find the forgiveness that we all yearn for because sinners sin, but Savior saves. So work, Lord, in this little time we set aside do what we can't imagine. Grab us, Lord, with your grace. In Christ's name, amen.